Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Doing that, I was face to face with it. It was holding me by my throat. And it felt like it was sucking something out of me. I probably should have been more scared than I was when I witnessed the exorcism. I turned and looked on my right side. When I did, there's there's a beam on the side of the tree, a large beam. It's looking at me and I'm looking at it. After I hit the lock button and looked back up, I saw red eyes staring back at me. That they're going to show multiple gods all over the earth, be able to speak in people's languages, and at that point, it kind of converge into this one entity, which will be revealed as extraterrestrial. You'll realize that aliens are the gods of old, and at that point, it'll wipe religion out of the context of humanity. No, it couldn't have been a person, I know that. I know that people can't run through the woods like that. So this thing comes into view, and I see it. It's 50 yards away from me. It's walking. It's walking on two legs. It's huge. This is a big, hairy-looking being. back to the show. I am your host, Eric Salagi. If you've had an uncomfortable experience and you'd like to have it featured on the show, please get a hold of me at contact.uncomfortable at gmail.com. The world wants to hear your experiences, so please get a hold of me and let's tell yours on a future episode of Uncomfortable. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram, both at UncomfortablePodcast65, and please remember to leave us a five-star rating and review wherever you can. That's the main way you, the listener, can help get this show out in front of more people. And with more people listening, that means more people coming forward with their experiences like tonight's guest. If you're interested in helping support the show, head over to patreon.com slash uncomfortablepodcast770 and check out the three different levels we have there. See if anything appeals to you. Or if a standalone support is more of your liking, then you can do that as well through Red Circle. The links for both of those will be in the show notes below. If you've joined me at either of the previous Bigfoot and Brew events, it may interest you to know that we have locked down September 14th, 2024 as the date of the next event. Again, being held within the wonderful confines of Sister Lakes Brewing Company in Dewajak, Michigan, there's been some discussion lately about the possibility of opening this event up to additional topics that you hear throughout the episodes you're on uncomfortable 2024 event will be bigfoot and brews and spirits too on the bigfoot side relax i'm not abandoning the bigfoot thing but we're going to add to it on the bigfoot side of things we have already secured ohio's amy boo from project zoo book and the olympic project from out in washington 
And on the paranormal side, our special guest speaker will be listener favorite, the Archbishop Christina Rake, which leads me tonight to tonight's guest, who is one and the same, the Archbishop herself. This past September, I had the privilege of getting to hang out with her in person at Bigfoot and Bruce too. And by the end of the day, she and I had become a bit closer than I had ever anticipated. I'm sure we'll get into some of that later on. This is her third appearance on Uncomfortable, and unlike the previous two episodes, this will just be two confirmed weirdos having a chat about the paranormal, and hopefully we'll get to get her to open up about some of the strange and spookier things that she's experienced. So if you're ready, let's get into it. If you will, please give a warm, uncomfortable welcome to the Archbishop Christina Rake. Archbishop, welcome to Uncomfortable. Thank you, Eric. It's wonderful to be back here again. So glad to have you. It's always Thank a pleasure. It's such a joy to talk to. You're so <laughs> full of you're so full of information. And none of it's very useful or marketable either. <laughs> I've got a brain full of that stuff too. So <laughs> I know and you never want to say I drew closer to my friend the exorcist either so <laughs> uh, I'm I'm just so happy that anytime I have ever reached out to you that you're you're just so willing to jump on here and and do these that uh, and and the response to those shows are always fantastic people love you and they can't seem to get enough of you so Oh that's sweet I can't get enough of myself either it, 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 <laughs> uh, she's full of it tonight guys um it, it really was very very nice uh to to get to see you in person at bigfoot and bruise back in september uh it, it was it was um, it got a little weird there for a while <laughs> um but it, it was it was so weird how you know, uh, JJ, uh, JJ Rose had just uh, made it known to me that uh, her husband wasn't going to be able to attend. So she had a, a ticket for the regular uh, day of the event. And she also had a ticket for the, um, the VIP dinner on, on Friday night before. And then you messaged me, and just, you know, like out of the clear blue, your, your, your busy uh, schedule opens up for that weekend. And, you know, you're wanting to know how to get tickets. And I'm like, well, hang on a second. Why don't, why don't you talk to JJ first? Because she's already got tickets and, you know, and then that whole thing worked out. And, you know, you only being about 90 minutes away, um, you know, you were able to get there and enjoy the VIP dinner the night before. And then most of the day's events, um, you did take off a little early, but you were there at a time that I needed you. <laughs> and for that, I am, I will be forever grateful because, um, if anybody listening to this doesn't know, you can go back a few episodes and I believe I named it my short, my short lived passenger. Um, Christina was, uh, I mean, I, what the hell happened to me, Christina? I was, I was something else. Um, 
you know, you, you were trying to introduce me to someone. This, it, so I could set the scene to everybody. I, I had a, a, a bucket of nachos that I had just scarfed because I was going on a diet after. And, and <laughs> let, me, let me interrupt you real quick there because <laughs> when this happened and, and I lifted my eyes, the first thing I saw was you sitting there and the server was just putting your plate of food down. And it ran through my head. It's like, I can't interrupt her. She just got her food. And, but I, I couldn't, I couldn't help it. I, I had nope. to. You, you, I, I was, um, at the trough, so to speak. <laughs> and, um, yeah, when he put it down, I said to the server, I I'm sorry, I ordered a large. What the hell is this? This is like for five people. <laughs> and I finished every bit of it. Um, but as I'm sitting there, you came over. Uh, for our listeners, I came over from my left. I was looking straight ahead at, um, I think Kreider was speaking mm -hmm. or first yeah. uh, me for him. And you came over and said, I want to introduce you to someone. And so uh, Eric leans forward. I'm on a picnic table bench and he kind of leans his knee against the bench and leans over. And as he starts talking to me to tell me about this, person situation eric like i see you pause and your body kind of ripples a little mm -hmm. and then you turn your head and look at me while you're leaning over and then it ripples again and, and all i could think of was is is he about to throw up <laughs> like I, I, I that's what it reminded me of just yeah. that like you were holding something in like a lurch yeah and then you just started sobbing and you you had begun to tell me is I want to introduce you to someone, someone you might want to talk to. And um, I don't even think she was with you at that point, but you just started crying. Yeah, she and, she actually had walked behind you and sat uh, yeah. catty, cor catty corner across from you on That's the other side right. of the table. I was so focused on you that I wasn't sure where she yeah. was because I all I could think of was are you okay? And you kept trying to talk and, and nothing was coming out. And you said, I'm just, I'm so sad. I feel so bad. There's so much pain. And you just yeah. were crying. And uh, all I could think of was to try and, and make you feel better. Um, and it took me aback. I was just so surprised yeah. Uh, at seeing you like that, because there are people in my life where I may never have seen them cry, but I know that that emotionality is just part and parcel of their, their makeup. Yeah. Um, but that I could tell that was not something even you were used to going through. Not even, not even remotely. No, it, it, it was like I had just told you someone kidnapped one of your children. Yeah. It was just such a visceral reaction. And I remember asking what's wrong because you had given me part of the story and you said, I just feel so much pain. I'm just so sad. And and, and I remember those words coming out. And um, I, be I believe I said you need to help her too. Yeah. I, I think, yes. I think that was my parting words when I yeah. was finally just had to leave the leave that area. Yeah, I remember you went out behind the, the fence. Mm -hmm. um, and I honestly, I, I have 
heavy duty protection, but the problem with my protection is that it's a little too protective. So I will actually just, um, like my gifts will just blank out. Like I don't have them and I've never had them. Um, because I am just on lockdown. I think at one point you described it as almost like an iron curtain. It really, yeah, that's exactly what it feels like. And, and I've had a psychic see it before he watched it happen. And I couldn't, I didn't understand what was happening because I was a new priest and I'm doing a gallery reading and I could not read the, this woman. Now I was getting the names of, of favorite pets from dead spouses. And I hit this one. I could not read her. I could not read her. I could not read her. Finally, something struck me and I said, move forward one row. And when she moved forward, I could. Now there was a, a very, very gifted psychic in the back. And he told me afterwards, what you could not see was we were at a haunted location. A shadow figure walked out of a door and stood and watched you. He said, and it was right at the third row. Really? He said, and I watched and someone else confirmed this. They were like, I saw something. He said, two beams of light come straight down in that third row in front of you, like slam." Like someone was jamming two sword and he goes, and all of a sudden you couldn't read anybody past that point. And it explains so much for me. But anyway, I, I just felt completely shut down and it's almost like taking away someone's sense of hearing suddenly it's so disorienting. So I'm looking at you and I'm, I'm just banking on my sensory input now. And I'm like, I have no idea what's going on now. I'll talk to you. Where'd Eric go? It's, it's so disorienting. So I'm probably going to get some of the timing of the events wrong, but it, it was just, I was disoriented because I had that slamming so hard that my teeth rattled as you were started to cry. It was like something went down and now I'm all messed up. Um, so I, I, I think I spoke to her to while after a while. I know I had a longer conversation with her and I was just a very nice person and, and very aware of her circumstances and, and actually accepting of the fact that there's really not a lot you can do for this kind of family curse, unless you can figure out its origin, you know, it's very difficult to, to get rid of. So she had, she had done research. We had this great conversation, um, very intelligent, highly educated professional, um, but everything she told me that she was doing and had done was exactly what I would tell her to do. And um, so I didn't get any any untoward feeling off of her conceptually in our conversation or anything. But I remember running to go find you and make sure you were okay. And um, so for our listeners, if you can visualize this, I come around the back of this picket fence and Eric is leaned up or you were sitting with your girlfriend. And I said, come on, meet me out back. <laughs> it was for the good kind of meet me out back. Yes. You know? yes. <laughs> I, I'm going to pull something off of you. Come yeah. meet me out behind the dumpster. And um, Eric kind of followed me and he was a little calmer at that point. But then I, I remember you leaned against the fence yeah. and just started bawling again. Um. And at that point, I was able to open up a bit 
and uh, I was like, oh, it was like something had uh, you in a bear hug like this. Um, literally, it, it literally felt like a a heavy weighted blanket. It was yeah. over, it was over the back of my head, across my shoulders, and and down my back. And it was. <sighs> Yeah. It was parasitic. It was it was a parasite. And I've dealt with these kinds of attachments before, but this one was just massive. Um and and doing what I do, and if I describe the process, I, I'm not sure I can. It's so nonlinear, but um using my help I, I just pulled it off you. And then kind of, there was a, there was a gaping wound. And, and, and when I say that guys, it's, it's like a spiritual thing. It's like, I am visualizing what's happening on a, on a spiritual level. So if there's an attachment, I might see it with its hands through someone's shoulders, but people feel in their body where I describe, I, I'm like, are you having trouble with your neck? Cause it's going to, and people will say yes. And with you, all, all of your body motions were that something was pushing your head down on, on your back, like you were yeah. carrying something heavy. Um, so I kind of just worked on, on, all right, let's cover up this gaping wound um, in, in the back of your chest area. And that's when your daughter came over to check on you. I don't, e I don't even remember her coming over. Oh, she came over and she was rubbing your back and she's like, I was looking for you. I was worried about you. And you, you gave her a kiss and she said, I've never seen you cry like that. I don't remember any, I don't remember her being in that at that time at all. And she was, look, she stayed with you. I left and she stayed with you. What? Yeah. Now that I know I've got right because I remember her coming over and I remember her rubbing your back and saying, dad, I, she's like, when you got divorced from mom, you didn't cry like that. I've, and she said to me, I've been looking for him. I'm worried, worried about him all day. And she was smiling and kind yeah. of trying to joke about it, but you could tell she was very concerned. And I said to you, are you going to be okay? I'm going to go back and finish this conversation and i also it was clear your daughter wanted time with you alone and, yeah. and she goes no i've got them and and you said thank you and you gave me a hug and i, I left. remember hugging you and i left and you were there with your daughter complete blank yeah that complete happens blank but i know when you when you placed your hand on my head when you were standing behind me, your, your touch was very light at first and my legs buckled. Mm. I, you know, I, like you said, I was, I was leaned, leaned forward against the, um, the privacy fence. And when I when I felt your hand touch me, my knees buckled and then whatever you did, I felt like something just grabbed that that weighted blanket and lifted it didn't drag it off me didn't pull it off to one side or the other it literally lifted it straight up off me mm -hmm. and that was that was powerful 
That was powerful. You know, I mean, anybody that listens to the show knows I have, I have my issues with organized religion and I, I grew up Catholic. And, you know, when they told me dinosaurs were made up, I was like, that's not even part of the Catholic <laughs> thing, but you know, know, you know, so that was, that was the starting of my, um, the wedge between mm-hmm. me and, and that belief. Um, I've, I've said a million times, I believe in a God, a creator, a, a ultimate, uh, the force, whatever you want to call it. I do believe and and, um, you know, you being in the Catholic faith and the prayer that you said over me, which was silent. I, I don't remember you saying it out loud. Um, to me, that's, that's an important aspect of this is even if you have questions, <laughs> but you have a belief in, in a higher power in whatever, whatever you view that as, um, the power, the power of prayer. Um, and I'm here to tell you that shit works. Yeah. I think I think we even kidded like it, it was such a dramatic change in such a such a fast short span of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That I I looked at you and I was like, shit. Does this mean I'm Catholic after all? <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, I, I do remember you turning your head and going, "What did you just do?" Type of looks yeah. and uh, I. It was it was a very quick one. There wasn't a lot of wrestling or anything. So you know, in in one of the one of the discrepancies that I find at first I was like, okay, so you know, I I mean I was I was into rest, hundred percent for sure. Um, you you were struggling with trying to figure out what was going on with me, um, but. And, and I know I said this to you and you said, no, honey, I, I didn't say that, but I'm telling you is as sure as I'm sure of any of what happened before you moved behind me to put your hand on my head, you were on my right side mm-hmm. and in my right ear, I heard your voice say, I'm going to say the right. Hmm. And I think I even said to you afterwards, because I think, I think we had a little bit of a conversation about how deep and generational this thing was that the girl was dealing with. And you, you said to me, the only, the only way that I would even feel comfortable with doing something would be knowing that there were others involved. Others would have to be involved and there would have to be some kind of aftercare yeah, um, that exactly. you would be certain of. And, and I remember saying to you, you're talking about a, talking about possession. You're talking about an exorcism. And I mean, you didn't really give a, yes, that's what I'm talking about. But you know, you had a kind of a, a smile on your face and your head kind of nodded. And I was like, holy fuck. Mm. You know, I mean, I literally felt like I dodged a bullet and, you know, I will be forever indebted to you for, for what you did for me there, because, um, you know, you saw the outward signs of what was going on, 
I don't think I don't think that I can put together words that would accurately describe what I was feeling inside. Well, this is a perfect example of when people ask me why don't they uh, why doesn't the the Catholic Church uh, they record exorcisms? Why don't they broadcast them? Are they afraid people will get possessed? And I said, no, they don't broadcast them for the same reason that you wouldn't broadcast a gang rape. It's it's a very emotional and it's a spiritual rape and it's an invasion and and it feels like it and um and you know people often will ask about you know how many exorcisms have you done and i'm like in the way you think of exorcisms with the book and the latin and and all that not a one in the sense of have you gotten rid of things that shouldn't have been on people including demons yes but I've never gotten to the point where I've held the book open and done that. There's always been more of, <laughs> and, and please that this is not an ego thing There's always been more of a, Oh shit, she's here. And then <laughs> like, leave. And, and that's happened to me more often than not of just come in and I do what I've, I've just always intuitively known how to do. Um, I've done the book, I've done the book thing and, and had things happen. And, um, but when it comes to people, it's always like what you experienced. It's always like lay the hand on and it goes, I've never had to, to do the entirety of a right. Sometimes I don't even get the book open. Um, and believe me, they're not afraid of me. They're not afraid of me. Uh, but for some reason, I I don't get to that point. Maybe someday I will. I hope not. Yeah. I, I like it better this way. It's a little less time consuming. It's <laughs> a lot less vomit. Um, <laughs> you know, this. Uh, not to make light of your situation, but in general, what happened to you and what I did is what always happens for me. Well, that's that's good. I mean, if you know, I mean considering the context of the whole thing um i I don't want to say that it was easy but i I do remember you saying at one point uh, that had i gone home had i not had had you not been there and we didn't we didn't deal with that then and had i let it go Mm. that it would have been significantly different. It would have begun its work. Um, You see, the the difference between a full possession and an attachment is an attachment is very quick. I mean, it's an overnight, instantaneous thing. It's usually how you can tell a difference between a spirit attachment and a demonic possession. But... I mean, it was, there are stages, there's usually infestation, which is when it gets into your environment. So you invite it into the house, it's now in the house, it's now getting into your business, and then you move into demonic obsession, where now it's getting into your family, into your, the rest of your environment, it's getting into your thoughts, 
and then it moves into possession. It's a very slow process. It was almost like it, you went from zero to 60. If you went home with this, you would have felt better after a while, but you would have brought it into the house. So you would have started into infestation feeling it already. So it, it's almost like it. So I would have been, so you described it earlier as a parasitic thing. Yes. And, but the goal was to hitch a ride. Yeah. To go, to get into your house, to get into your family, to get to your people, and then to slowly break everybody down. Um, because that's what it does. It wears down your will until you just give up so that it can take control. And it does this by, by isolating, um, at first, it tries to get you fascinated. So that's why um, I tell people when they're like, oh, I've got a little kid spirit. And, and I told it it could stay. And I'm like, wrong answer, because it, it lies. Oh, I'm a little lost, Joe. Can I stay with your family? And it yeah. keeps asking you to invite it and say it's okay. So it gives you opportunity after opportunity to say you can't be here because the more you say yes, stay, the less God can do because you're making the decision. You're it's all you're about enabling will. It. Yes. You have said yes. You know, of course God protects you, but if you jump into a shark tank, you're going to get bitten. So that's why it can, and, and I'm working on a novel where I make this a little more evident, you know, evil wants you to keep saying yes, 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 before it does anything dramatic because it wants to be able to say to the other side, oh no, it was their choice. The, them's the rules. Yeah. They chose. Um, and so it'll up the ante a bit. It'll start being more, you know, poltergeisty or, or a little more scary and then give you the opportunity to stop it. But by then, people become kind of interested in it. They're like, oh, this is this a is novelty. Special. Exactly. Yeah. Well, watch what happens when I do this and we have friends over. And then there's more invitation. And, and it's almost like mold growing in a bathroom where the initial hold is here. Now, if you were to take care of the venting and then the humidity and all of that, you know, you could just deal with that little spot. But once you let it, you don't do anything and you let it continue, you've got to rip the drywall out to get rid of it yeah. because it has insinuated itself into every aspect of your life. And so it gets to this point where you've said, yes, 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 yes. And then it starts to isolate you. Um, you I've had situations where, where people close with their mother, close with their brother, and then suddenly those family members are picking ridiculous fights and not speaking to them. They're being ghosted by their friends. They're isolated. No one will come into the house because they all get a bad feeling. And it just isolation. Now you're only with your own thoughts. And that's when the obsession begins because now it's invading your personality, your thoughts, your going back to addictions, you're feeling worn out, you're having nightmares, you can't sleep. It's, it's, it's like any kind of psychological torture that any enemy would do for, for a captive to break them down, break down their will, 
and to build it back up again in its own image. That's its goal, to wreak as much havoc as possible. And it's not about, oh, I own this human being. It's about now that I have this foothold, where else can I go? And that was that was an interesting description that and I don't mean to interrupt you, but no, please do. I, I was afraid you were going to get past that and and we'd forget about it. Um, the way you described it to me, and I don't remember if this was in an email uh, or or if it was the day of, um, but you described it as like uh, a virus. Yes, it, it yes. doesn't doesn't necessarily leave the one person, but it it infects the other one and then once it gets a hold there it can in, continue to infect and that i've never heard that i've never heard it described in that way you know i, I think, just always assumed that it was an entity or you know it, it was it's either with you or you know like in the movies you see you know the smoke comes out of one mouth and goes into somebody else's you know and now it's their problem right um, I, I'd never heard it described that way. And well, I mean, if if we're going to think about saints and angels being able to be in several different places at several different times, or one place or several times, and um, or several places at once, then then so is evil. And so, like a candle, you know, the light can go from wick to wick to wick without diminishing it's the same with these things with these beings they they multiply they replicate and their goal is to enhance their their sphere of influence um you know when when they they go after one single person it was to jump to someone else they want to get to yeah. you know and and it's also part and parcel to to what a community minded uh thing spirituality is it's not an individualist thing you can't be a spiritual person apart from other people because then who do you love yeah spirituality is about love and about right. service and about community well by doing this by ruining one small aspect of community you can spread pain but yes these things replicate they don't diminish any more than the than the uh, candle diminishes when it spreads. Um, it can be everywhere, uh, just like God is everywhere, and also your Saint Michael is everywhere and doing all these things. So is a demon. Yeah. It's about that replication. Um, it's about that that computer virus that invades this system file, this system file, until there's a catastrophic failure. That's the point. So, you know, we've had several months here since it happened. And you left pretty quickly after after you had done what you had done for me. Um, I'm, I'm guessing, I'm making an assumption here, that you, you probably didn't get in the car and just immediately forget about what had just happened. No, no, no. Um, so having had some time to think about, because at one point you mentioned to me that you weren't quite sure what it was. No, I wasn't. Have you, have you ever kind of rectified that in your head? Do you, do you now have a better idea of what you think it was or? 
Yeah, in general, it was it was absolutely demonic. Um, I don't know what its end game was. Um, other than to to get its moldy virus claws into you, yeah. into the system, because um, your sphere of influence helps a lot of people, and they don't like that. Um, and there were people there that they could jump on the backs of and continue to, to move out into this, this sphere of people who are searching and who are missing, um, missing something in their lives, who, like you, have been wounded by religion. They don't want anything to do with religion, but they're still spiritual seekers. Mm-hmm. And they don't want evil demons whatever people want to call them, these, these entities, these, these um, parasites don't want folks to seek truth. They want everybody quiet and apathetic and uninterested because that allows them to, to get more of their will out into the world. And they know they're not going to turn everybody evil. They just want everybody to be apathetic because that's the perfect breeding ground for what it is that they want to accomplish. So I think that it was demonic. I don't think it was sent to you by that woman, but I think that um, you have to envision curses or, or, or possessions or anything like doors. So she was a door. She was a carrier. She no more intended for you to get like COVID than any other carrier would. But because there was a gateway there, it was able to jump through and hop on to you. And I also think that you were very safe. Um, You had told me you you had spoken to everybody. You were Mm -hmm. feeling calm. You were feeling relaxed. Your defenses were down. You were exhausted. And... You were among friends, so you didn't even have any guard up at that point. Right, and yeah. you were open because you were connecting with people. So it really was like having a wide open port on your PC. And the uh, the backdoor virus just came right through. Now, it may not have been after you specifically, because they do hop through what doors they can to get to the people they want to get through. Um, Unfortunately for that thing, (laughs) coincidentally, um, the good, you can see good and evil battling it out. Coincidentally, I had a cancellation weeks earlier (laughs) that enabled me to reach out to you and JJ had a cancellation that enabled her to give me a ticket. And then, so I just happened to be there. And if you look at that in the wider scope of eternity, where there is no time at that moment, your prayer was answered weeks before when all of this began rolling your prayer at that moment of please take this away was answered backwards in time, setting all this emotion so that I just happened to be standing next to you. Who gets possessed or, or not possessed, but who gets attacked by a demon while they're standing next to their friend, the exorcist? <laughs> who, who does that happen for, Eric? And, just you. Know, you. <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean, 
First of all, let's let's call us you know a spade a spade. I mean, the demon was an idiot. It was a demon, right? Yeah. It was he was he was a stupid guy. <laughs> you know, sometimes you just gotta jump out of the airplane and say, "Let's see if this parachute opens." I mean, what did they got to lose? <laughs> I mean, it's not like I destroyed it. Just put it back to where it came from. So. Yeah. You know, it, it's, you, you summed it up so well there with, you know, the, the series of events that took place that put you there at that time. Literally next to you. Yeah. Literally next to you eating it, nachos. It was so, you know, I've, and I've, I've gone over this so many times in my head that, you know, what are the chances that, that, that all just happen that way and i don't believe that it was chance i don't think that it was a coincidence i don't think it was a lucky break no nope. i really don't i god answers our prayers but we we're so focused on time being linear like you prayed in that moment and i just happened to be there they can be answered backwards they can they can be answered sideways they there's there's this preparation because when you're looking at it from outside the bubble i mean you can see all the moves of the chessboard and you can plan ahead so i could have said no i could have changed my mind and then i would have thwarted being you know i wouldn't have been there to help you i think, so I, we think can I, still I, work. I think we can look even further back because it was well in advance of any of those things happening that I first suggested that you come to the, to the event. Yeah. You know, that, that was way in advance of that, any of that happening. So you see how the tapestry yeah. of, of good and evil weaves together with decision-making. It's so complex. I mean, people talk about, oh, the butterfly effect. This happened. I'm like, the but there is no butterfly effect. It's called life. It's called free will. And it seems so random. But it's not if you look at all the links in the chain that took you to this moment and put you in a position where things could go very wrong in the very best possible way. Yeah. Well, again, I'm going to thank you. Um, that was quite fortuitous that you were <laughs> you were there. I'm glad um, I was there. I'm glad I was there. It was uh, not something I would ever want to go through again. No. And and you know you know you you said yourself that you know there was there's some difficulty in like the timeline of you know how long things took. Um, best that we've been able to come up with is, you know, from the time that I sat down on the corner of that table and she came to me, um, through one of my, uh, one of my other listeners who brought her up to introduce me because of all things, she had said that she had had dog man experience up in the um, Northern part of Michigan. Um, so she was brought to me to talk to me about that. And when she sat down, all this other stuff came out and, um, 
you know, from from that point, because Robert Kreider, we we broke his his presentation up into two parts. He did about two hours, and then we took a, a break, and then he had about an hour, not quite right. an hour. Um, his his last hour was going on while all this was happening, mm-hmm. and by time you left, he had not finished his um, his the end of his presentation. So, you know, we're talking about all of this happening within 30 to 45 minutes. Yeah. You know, and (laughs) it's not something I'd ever want to go through again. No, I don't recommend it. It's, it's, (laughs) but, (laughs) but, um, I don't know. You'll, you'll eventually figure out, why in the sense of how it's gonna change your trajectory and and maybe it's just changing your thought processors or something but at some point you'll think back to this this episode and be like all right i learned this from this way back here yeah so um i i don't think i think the intention was always to make sure that it didn't get its hold in you because you have work to do so i just happened to accidentally be there um a beautiful a beautiful accident (laughs) (laughs) exactly (laughs) so kind of keeping it in lines with that uh, attachment attachment um we we had a lot of fun uh, not too awful long ago during one of our Discord campfires where we got to air your uh, your appearance in a documentary called The Attached. Oh yeah, that was fun. Where we got to have a watch party and you were there to answer questions and um, that that was that was a lot of fun and what a good documentary. Um, directed and produced by the the booth brothers yes and all of their documentaries are now streaming um on tubi amazon prime and uh, apple tv and i i highly recommend them they 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 do paranormal documentaries the way they should be done with the history um with compassion and, and humanity for the people involved, uh, it, dead or living. Um, and also, it, it's like watching Sesame Street for adults. I mean, you do not get bored. The visuals, the, the I mean, it is just like, it goes like that. You don't feel two hours past. Yeah, yeah it was, uh, well, first of all, the environment that we did it in was, you know, extremely inviting because it was, you know, a room full of our Discord family and uh and then to just be able to do it in that in that way with mm-hmm. having being able to bring you in as well and you know let the let the audience for the most part uh ask you questions and and comment on the on the film it was it was a lot of fun and what a great what a really good documentary that was really well done i was i was impressed yeah. And uh, from the first uh, take that I was in, which was the first filming of the entire documentary, to the last, um, it was almost five years. Was it, it really? Had to, yeah, it had to keep 
getting put on the shelf because Chris and Phil do other projects for income. These are projects they do for love, their own documentaries, but they do movies, they do television commercials. They, they're constantly um, having to set this movie aside to, to bring in income so they can fund these uh, beautiful passion pieces. So um, that, that first, that first filming of me walking down the hallway in the beginning to the very last, which was me talking about Annalise McHale, I literally opened and closed all of the shooting. I was the first scene shot and the last scene shot um, of the entire movie. Um, and, and Chris joked that from the first scene to the second, he dropped, <laughs> he, he said this is where he dropped 30 pounds, um, an ex-wife and got 15 new tattoos. So. <laughs> <laughs> what a way of keeping track. Of oh, time. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but, um, yeah, he, he looked, he looked so different. By, but here's this scene and then the next one he looks different he's got all these tattoos so there was this this space and time over the course of it um and and i could see it kind of changing where we thought it was this thing and it turned out to be this thing um but what they finished with like all art what they finished with was just absolutely beautiful um and and so um human you don't get the feeling that that they're hunting shadow people or anything Not like at all. that. Not they're at all. they're telling these beautiful stories about human beings. Yeah. Um, so, and and the one that was probably the most impactful for me was the one that they I think was the focus of most of uh, the the longest span of time, and that was the the exorcism of Annalise. Um, true story. Um, just, uh, God, what that girl went through and that's, it's, it's powerful. It, it really is. It's powerful. I, I, I can't recommend it enough. If you haven't seen it, please go check it out. It's, it's called the attached. Yeah. And the Annalise McKell part was, was very moving. And then the last story about the uh, woman in the asylum was also very moving, yeah. I think. They, they're both very heavy subjects, um, just, um, but all spiritual subjects, all human subjects are heavy <laughs> Indeed. and complex. Indeed. Well, you kind of teased a little bit when we, when we talked earlier that, uh, before we started recording that you might, uh, you might have a couple of things to talk about that you've never shared before. Oh yeah. These are, I don't share them because they scare the bejesus out of me. And when we're talking about scaring me, we're, we're talking about <laughs> really scary stuff. <laughs> it's, it's not like mannequins and, and clowns and things. Um, uh, I was always interested in UFOs. Uh, when I was very young. Um, and I've had a few experiences of missing time that are very scary, creepy, um, terrifying. 
Yeah, I'm more than one. Um, significant, when I, significant Spanish. Very, with others, while people were searching for us. Yes, I mean the t- the type of missing time, not where I'm alone. Let, let me let me let me start with this. First of all, when I was younger, I lived in a haunted house. However, every night as a child, I would wake up at around two o'clock in the morning and I would not allow myself to go back to sleep till the sun rose or I would hide when I slept ever since I was younger. Um, and it, it drove my parents crazy, um, because they would keep why do you sleep in the toy box? I mean, I was scared the hell I'd be asleep in a closet. I would be asleep under a bed. And I kept saying, because, because they come for me at night. That was always my answer. To this day, when I sleep, I have to have six different noises on or anything because I still wake up with these jolts, afraid to be asleep during this stretch of time. Um, and this was before any kind of traumatic event at night or anything like nothing like that. There was, there was nothing. I was literally just terrified because something would come for me at night and wasn't a ghost, nothing. I couldn't even tell you what it was. It was just this terror and it was constant. And I was always tired. I still have insomnia from these early. So I yeah. uh, my neighbor used to babysit us and I'm talking when I'm nine. And my neighbors um, were eight. So after school, my neighbor would babysit my brother and I. And she had twins who were both eight, uh, Denise and Danny. And I would go to their house. And we would play in the yard like like people of our generation. We would disappear at dawn and come home after dark. And nobody would ever know where we were. And we had a great time. In this case, though... uh, Denise's mother was a little more, uh, I don't know, stringent about where we were. Uh, My block had, had, my area had two roads in a ladder formation. So here's a road, here's a road, one, two, three, four, five. All told, I mean, you're talking about one twelfth of a mile for all five blocks. They ended in a swamp. And on each side, on each side were the, the schools, the huge fields. There's nowhere for us to go or hide. I was walking with my friend Denise and her friend to the fifth block from ours, which was the third, to walk this girl home and then back to Denise's house for eight, eight nine-year-olds should have taken 20 minutes if we screwed around. So we walk her home. I remember us walking back from her house and I remember getting very, very hot and overheated. Like, and then the two of us just kind of sitting down and it's three o'clock in the afternoon. It's October in the Jersey shore. It's not hot. Um, And I remember the two of us staring at the street light thinking, and I remember thinking, why does that light look funny? My next memory is of she and I turning the corner down our block. Her mother 
pulls up to us in her car, screeches like this and gets out and is screaming at us. Where were you? Where were you? And we're like, we, we, we walked Eva home. Well, where did you go after that? We walked back. All right. Remember there's a ladder. There's nowhere to go. And she's like, that's not possible. And we said, we walked right back and we're, we're crying at this point. And her, her son was in the car. She had called her husband was on her way home. My mother was coming home from work because it was now quarter to six. She had driven every block this whole time. She had even called the police who were looking over here and the two of us were nowhere to be found. And if you ask us, we walked straight home. We sat down for a couple minutes. And at that point, we're kind of disoriented. We're like, it is getting dark. But I mean, we were sobbing. She was screaming at us. Tell me where you went. And we're like, we came home. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Then, so do we know? Do we have an estimate of like how much time actually transpired? It would have been after school, and we had been playing a bit. It was still warm, so what I recall is three thirty. We started walking there. Let's say we dawdled. Let's say we took ten minutes to get there. Mm-hmm. Let's say we took ten fifteen to get home, and we sat down for a bit. We should have been home no later than four, 4.10 if we really fucked around. Okay, let's say we completely laid down and fell asleep <laughs> Took looking at the streetlight. <laughs> and we're talking an hour and a half, completely gone. Gone from our memories. We, we don't remember doing anything other than sitting down and looking at the streetlight. So the street light was on, but it was still just... It was still light out. It was still just afternoon. The two of us remembered the street light. That's all we could talk about was stopping and looking at the street light, which was really bright. And And in my memory, I can see the street light and I'm sweating. I feel sick. And then the street light getting bigger and then it getting smaller and the sky being a lot more red. So dusk had fallen. I don't know what to tell you. I've never investigated that missing time. I've never wanted to. <laughs> I just kind of let that go. Um, but that continued terror at night stayed with me. Um, I woke up one night and I had holes through these two teeth as if someone had stuck a rod right through the bottom of my mouth, just inside, outside of the same molars on each side on the bottom. Scared the piss out of me. I didn't talk about it. (laughs) They weren't cavities. How old were you when that happened? Twelve. Twelve. 
I would have to assume that you experienced some pain with that. I mean, like no a raw, raw nerve, nothing, hot, cold water. Nothing. I didn't have How did those you find things. them? I, um, they felt funny when I woke up one morning. I'm like, because you, you have a buckle in this molar. Like, it kind of goes in a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I was like, what is that? I thought I had something stuck on my tooth and I pulled my cheek down. And I mean, it is a hole. Not at the bottom of the tooth, straight through the tooth, coming out the other side and straight through the other one as if someone had strung a, a wire through them like that. I had no pain. I had no cavities, nothing between the ages of 12 and 24. When I was 24, is when they took a look at them and said, yeah, we need to do fillings. That they never hurt. Well, that's bizarre. So I had that. And then, of course, when I'm 12, I start reading all these UFO books. <laughs> I read Intruders. I don't know if you ever, it's one of the classics with Kathy Davis. And yeah. I don't know how true it was, but. I read that book and that was the end of me because <laughs> I had all these weird experiences. They lined up very much. So, and it was, it was, um, incredibly terrifying. Um, the suddenly that that one instance of missing time was horrible enough. I could have had others when I was alone. I wouldn't know. I don't have any memory of anything in particular, but for the longest time, that waking up in the middle of the night, that that stark raving terror of something finding me, of having to sleep fully clothed and hiding was just insane. And there was ever since I was very young, dreams of of watching my neighborhood from above flying over it. So I'm sorry, I have something stuck in my throat. So this got crazy and it would ebb and and um flow so it would would wax and wane i would have these experiences and then nothing well we owned a farm in upstate new york god help me upstate new york which scared me that house scared me so bad um i had a lot of instances of of falling asleep in one room and waking up in another not knowing how i get there but having no sleepwalking background um of uh things lights coming in the windows and then nothing so a lot of weird so you were seeing happened. lights and we would see them out when we were out in the field um we're talking the 80s so there weren't tons of satellites like there are now and you would just see something zip this way zip that way or you'd see lights coming through the trees and uh, so just a lot of very, very strange memories like that. And then when I'm 19, I had one other very significant memory of uh, driving home on the beach. Uh, I lived right along uh, the ocean between McGuire Air Force Base and one of the other Air Force bases that was experimenting on the... Um, one of the the silent aircrafts at the time in the 90s i don't know why the name is escaping me the, the one yes the stealth 
we would see it over the ocean and we all knew it was military. Nobody was mistaking it for a UFO because we had lived our whole lives in between these three Air Force research facilities. But I was driving home. It was two in the morning. Um, I had been at a friend's house up the coast a bit. We watched a movie. It's freezing cold on the beach um, shore. And I'm driving home. And as you get to my house, I'm trying to do this for the camera. The main road would go like this. Then another little weird road would go like this. And there were two houses on this little island. And I would have to veer to the left and turn left. And I remember, this is where the memory gets sort of short-circuited. I'm turning left and I look up and I'm like, holy fuck. Because there is a, a UFO. A, a, an actual dark triangular thing hovering over the house on the corner and it's spinning and there is a light going straight down into the house. No shit. And the next thing I remember is waking up at 8 a.m. in my bed fully clothed. I don't have no memory of getting home. I have no memory of going to bed and I would never go to bed fully. I had forgotten all that UFO stuff. I'm a very good dissociator. I just want to say if there's a ribbon for like forgetting things, I am the queen. <laughs> and and it's because in addition to all the weird stuff, I mean, I, I grew up in a house with a, a Navy SEAL who is an alcoholic, bipolar, PTSD. So I would like forget things so that you can continue to live with this family. So forgetting things is is a, a cherished pastime in in my house so i would just kind of be like okay i'm going to compartmentalize this little memory and pretend it never happened because demons no problem ghosts no problem you know what scares me is the the cryptids and the aliens that's the stuff that scares me more than any in the spiritual realm. Really? And, you know, if you talk to a police officer, they'll say the opposite. Oh, yeah, criminals, murderers, I'm not afraid of them. I'm afraid of ghosts. So wherever your wheelhouse is, it's the outside that scares you. But God help me, those are the three that, that come to memory all the time. When I'm watching a special, when I'm thinking about these things, I remember those times of running down the, the stairs in the farmhouse in New York and all of a sudden being back in bed or of seeing lights coming through the windows going. And, and I mean, we're on a mountain on a farm surrounded where our, our nearest neighbors a mile down the road. The road is named after my family because it was the only house that was there for 200 years. So nobody's turning and sending their headlights into the second floor of a house on top of a hill. Yeah, if, you, if you were on that road, you belonged on it. Yeah. And, and you weren't on it after dark because it wasn't really a road. They oiled it. It wasn't paved. So, yeah. And my brother remembers some of that too. Really? Um, yeah. But me, I was the one with the, those instances of missing time. One in upstate New York where I disappeared for five hours when I thought I was hiking for one. Um, 
that well, time. Wait a minute. But you, I was alone you, for that one. You, you can't just gloss over that one. Oh, I'm be, sorry. Be, before, before you get, before you get into that, I want to take you back to that, that farmhouse where yeah. you saw the, the triangle over it. Okay, oh, yeah. So there's two different types of triangles that are in, that I'm aware of. Um, one being uh, a triangle that has two wings. So it, it looks essentially like a V. Right. And yeah. then there's then there's the actual solid triangle. Which one was? It was, was a solid. It, it was it a was solid. solid. And, and you, it was turning. And do you remember like lights? I know you're saying there was a light coming down to the to the farmhouse, but I remember three lights at each corner. Um, reddish, but not red. It's hard to describe. It's it it, to me honestly, it looked like my eyes were somehow picking up on infrared. So the, so the light wasn't an actual light. It was almost like I was seeing something on the spectrum I wouldn't normally see. Sure. But the light coming down, I mean, it was so cliche. <laughs> it was just a beam, like it was going to take up a cow or something. And bear in mind, this is in Ocean County, New Jersey, um, 30 miles outside of Manhattan. So this isn't the farmhouse. This is in a huge urban area along the the shore yeah and there it was there it was i i i've talked to a couple people a couple trusted people about those two in particular memories where i had missing time with two other people and folks searching for me in an area that i swear to you i never left and um of excuse me i don't know why something's stuck in my throat and of that that thing that that uh that object with a beam down in this house on the corner of my neighborhood and waking up in bed fully clothed with no memory of even getting home um and 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 that god i had forgotten about this the stopped watches I love watches. I always wear watches and I have a tendency to drain the batteries quickly. But when that one incident happened with the, uh, the object and the light, when I got home, my watch was stopped. It was dead at really? 10 AM. And did that coincide with when you saw it? That would or- have coincided roughly with, I left my friend's house at 150, 150, 155. So that would have been exactly the time that I would have turned that corner. You do a hell of a job of compartmentalizing shit, woman. I Well, I mean, come on. I was attacked by demons and stuff, PTSD people in my house. I mean, I have to compartmentalize or I wouldn't be this happy. <laughs> okay, I mean, so- fuck, I got to get through my day, you know? <laughs> I adore you. I absolutely adore you. (laughs) But honestly, I, I, the UFO stuff, I just don't go there because that bothers me. Because when you're dealing with demons and ghosts and things, I still feel in control. I still feel like the apex predator. 
I don't like feeling like chattel. <laughs> and so that's a, an incredibly uncomfortable experience for me. So I avoid going to those places. And also, I know it sounds crazy. I, and I know I'm not crazy. For some reason, why do I think talking to dead people isn't crazy? Well, it seems a little more socially acceptable than, you know, I saw a UFO and I got home and I was in bed fully clothed or I was missing all this time. Um, I actually, when, when I was in seminary, I started having um, issues with um, thinking. I just wasn't thinking right. <clears throat> and it was the beginning of, of depression. But having talking to the dead and having had these other experiences, I went to the professor of neuropsychiatry at Harvard Medical School. And I talked to this guy for an hour and a half and I adore him. He's, he's since passed, but he did a test for temporal lobe epilepsy because he's like, look, you're hyper-religious. I'm like, well, I'm not that hyper-religious. I, I don't even go to church. Um, you write you know, and, and, and intelligence and you, he's like, and you have missing time, which can be a seizure. And I remember stopping myself and going, I just remembered I wasn't alone. And he goes, what do you mean you weren't alone? I said, I, I was with two other people when that missing time event from my childhood happened. Cause he asked about missing time and he was like, huh. And then he, he asked about when you have these feelings about the future, what happens? And I tell him, and I said, but then they occur. And then he's like, well, what happens when you feel like you can heal people? I'm like, their cancer goes away. And he's like, so, so here's the weird thing. You see, Christina, when people are, are have epilepsy or, or have mental illness, there's not proof Okay. You don't, you don't have witnesses to the missing time. You don't have police reports. You don't have films to yeah. healing. He's like, I don't think you've got temporal love, but let's just take a look at what's going on. Um, so, but I mean, he believed me, God bless this scientist with all of these. I think he had three doctorates and an MD and he still believed me. So I, I just, I love him for that. But anyway, yeah, that was when I remembered the whole episode because he was the first person in my adulthood to ask me about missing time. And I'm like, oh, yeah, wait a minute. <laughs> I wasn't alone. Now, you said this was at Harvard, correct? Uh, when I went to seminary, I went to seminary as part of the Boston Theological Institute. Harvard was one of them. So I was 15 minutes from Harvard Medical so the, those were the doctors everybody went to. You always went to the doctors at Harvard Medical because you knew you got the best care there. I'm just kind of curious. I wonder uh, with his association <laughs> with Harvard if he knew um, John Mack. John Mack, I, I don't know. I don't know if John Mack was still there at that time. I know his book had come out recently because this would have been 97. Yeah. And I had his book at the time. Um. So I don't know. That's an interesting question. Did did we bypass the whole your hiking? I, oh, I, I interrupted you. No. Um, in upstate New York, um, uh, there were all these mountains, and and I loved hiking them. 
when I say hike, I mean, it was almost a mountain climb. They were very steep and I loved going out there and going through the creek beds and the fossils and everything. Um, my family had owned like, I think we had like 500 acres or something. Good so we go through all the mountains and everything. It was wonderful. But we would leave in the morning and then we would play all day, go home for lunch, leave again, come home for dinner. Um, but there was one day I didn't come back for lunch, which was weird for me. I didn't miss meals. It was not a problem I had. Um, so I didn't come back for lunch. And by two or three, my mother had talked my dad, whose home it was. My mom grew up in Jersey City, right across the street from Manhattan. So this was, so was country-ass country. So she's like, go find her. You know where to look. So my dad went looking for me and he couldn't find me and he came home and he's like look if she doesn't show up by dinner <laughs> my parents were so caring if she didn't show up by dinner I'll, I'll go look for her a little more seriously in fairness um, though it, it was a different time it was a completely <laughs> different time and it's in the country where people didn't even have locks on their doors so it wasn't a big deal um but yeah i came home and I'm like, geez, I'm really hungry. Um, what's for lunch? And they're like, it's dinner time. And I'm like, what the hell did I do? For and, and in my mind, I'm like, I guess I just spaced out or maybe I laid down and fell asleep. I don't remember. But how did I, you know, I'm like 13. I, 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 we didn't have phones and everything. We had a much better idea of the passage of time. You could usually tell how much time had passed and yeah, i was because like, you knew I, if you if you, you knew if you weren't home you were gonna get get your ass chewed right and i mean i'm in the country and my father was a survivalist and and he taught us how to look at the sun and everything so i always had a vague idea of how much time had passed and um and i always walked with my trusty watch so of course I get home and they're like, it's dinner time. And I look at my watch and I'm like, oh, the battery died. You know, I'm like, that's why I'm like, the battery died. Yeah, it's, it's very compartmental. I'm like, we're not going over there. I'm not going there. It's, it's like all trauma. It's like, it's not what, I, what it could be. It's what I want it to be. Um, like I said, it's it's why I, I never talk about about this stuff. It's very uncomfortable for me. I can tell you that since that one episode in college where I saw that beam and everything, I can't think of another instance where anything has happened or could have happened. But I've still got this little fear in the back of my head of being in, you know, rural areas at night. Um we're like, I love camping and I love the idea of camping, but the thought of going out there at night scares me. I'm not afraid of people. I mean, I mean, I, I own protection. I'm not afraid of people. I'm just afraid of. Bishop's packing. <laughs> I got my foyer, man. Um, but yes, it, it's. It's this, it's just this weird thing I have. Um, and those memories do not make me happy or they're very uncomfortable. And I've had people practice in hypnotic regression. I mean, people who do EMDR and things. So let's go look at that memory. And I said, no. And it's not just that 
I don't want to know. It's that I don't trust myself as imaginative a person as I am mm. to not fill in the blanks. Yeah. And, and honestly, what would change in my life if I knew? Would it make it easier? Would it make it less uncomfortable? Not really. Um, I just don't want to have a false memory. I think that I would be at risk for one to fill it in with something, anything. Yeah. Um, weird stuff. Never, never woke up with any kind of weird rashes, any, you never red grid, uh, red grid phenomenon. Um, no, I mean, I've, any, well, you know, and, and spider bites and things, yeah. and, you know, nothing, nothing mm -hmm. that I couldn't tell you wasn't definitely something else other than those holes in my teeth. Oh, there's, there's another memory from high school. I do remember waking up in the middle of the night and not being able to move light flashing in my eye and a needle, oh. the sensation that there's a needle in my eye. I had one of those and I didn't know what that was. I thought I was thought it was a bad dream, but I could hear the TV and I'm trying to flap my arm up and, and trying to do this. And I can feel the needle in my eye. And then I woke up in the morning. So I'm like, all right, we're just going to chalk that up to a bad dream. Yeah. I'm really good at compartmentalizing. Jesus <laughs> woman. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I've woken up with burns before. Oh, I used to get those weird rashes i'll see now i'm having all this memory i used to get these rashes on my face i would wake up with a small rash here and within it would itch and then within three hours my eyes would be swollen shut from some kind of reaction and it used to happen a couple times a year they'd have to hop me up with prednisone's most miserable experience of my life and it didn't stop until we moved across town to a new house so they chalked it up to an allergy. Yeah. But my even now, if I get itchy here, that's how it would always start. I would wake up with a rash here, and then it would just go. Um, and I mean, really, like I like I had elephantitis, like I was deformed. Um, wow. But they tested me for allergy shellfish, and they couldn't figure out what it was. And it would happen once or twice a year. And I would wake up with it beginning and then it would, and then they'd have to pump me with whatever they pumped me with. And then it would take a couple days to go away. So yeah, we never figured out what that was, but it just stopped. Just stopped when we moved. So, And we didn't move to another state or another climate. We moved a mile away. Same plants and everything, but... After moving to that place, I had a couple more instances, and then that's the house I lived in when I saw that thing, and that is the last experience that I can remember that was like that. It was almost like it was the capper. So let me ask you, with the advent of of all this disclosure that's been happening over the past uh, several years, and... Uh, 
you know, do I believe the government? No, I don't. Um, I do think that some of what we're being told is is being told just simply because they can't keep a lid on it anymore. Yeah. Um, but there's there's a a lot that we're not being told. How has that? I mean, you know, I had an experience when I was a kid where my whole neighborhood lit up. You know, it was like 11 o'clock at night, almost 11 o'clock. And I've told the story a bunch of times on the show. I'm not going to bore everybody with it again, but it was, it was dark <laughs> and my neighborhood lit up brighter than the brightest day. Um, nothing, it was so bright, nothing cast a shadow. Wow. You know, so I've <laughs> I was obsessed with UFOs by five, you know, and no streaming services, no ancient aliens on TV, you know, anytime you wanted to watch it or anything like that, you know, the best I could do was, you know, hear a news report every so often. Uh, I know my parents bought me a UFO magazine a couple of times. I got uh, the hard in search of. Yeah, I remember in yep. search of, yeah. I had uh, a, my godfather bought me the hardcover um, Project Blue Book. Um, oh, yeah. <clears throat> you know, and it, it was so far beyond my reading capabilities at the time that he bought it for me. But it, he just bought it for me because I was crazy about UFOs. Mm -hmm. And I have, you know, I'm, I'm 58 now. I've never I've never spent a year of my life being like yeah what the hell was i thinking yeah th this shit's not real you know i was wasting my time and now um guess what they're they're real how how did that you know like that compartmentalization that you did when you started becoming aware of of the disclosure that's happening how did that how did that affect you it wasn't so much the disclosure that made me willing to talk about this in a public way, because this is the first time I've talked about this in in any way that would get around. I'll put it that way. It was you and your community. I was talking to other people who were uh, intelligent and rational and real and compassionate and reading their stories and reading their news articles and realizing you you knew you weren't alone but i ran away from i when i i i've said to you before i stopped reading about that stuff in 98. well that was that was the year that i'm sorry 97 that was the year i had that that last event and i just stopped i stopped all media nothing to do with it nothing to do with ufos i'm like i want nothing to do with this this is too much i don't want to know what's happening um and that's how i handle stress it was just easier to do that um but it wasn't so much the disclosure i wouldn't even know about that but for your community i don't go looking for it i, I haven't wanted to know yeah. but when i i spoke to you a couple days ago and you invited me on 
I don't know why. I'm just like, all right, I got a story I can tell. I, 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 <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I feel like I've proven myself not a crazy person and, and <laughs> not a, you know, well, not really. I mean, when am I ever going to prove myself not crazy? <laughs> that ship has sailed. But, um, but I think it's just more of a, uh, you know what, guys? <sighs> There's more people out there who have had these things happen to them than you would even imagine. Then you would, I don't think anybody talking to me would ever think that I had any of that in my background. It, it just, it, I've, I have such a, a block on that information. Yeah. And I honestly don't know what's happened in the past 30 years. I am so out of the loop. Um, but coming back into the community just kind of reminded me and I brought a lot of this up to the fore um, that I feel like whatever's coming, I've known about for 49 years. And um, whatever comes out, I won't believe it anyway. I lived with a conspiracy theory. There were no Navy SEALs. There were no POWs in Vietnam. I mean, I, I grew up with that person who didn't exist. Right. So I'm not going to believe them anyway. <laughs> but it really was you and your community that, that started to open my eyes to the fact that, you know, you're not crazy. And you really have missed out on some really big things in this field. Um, so I thank you for that. I felt comfortable enough to, to talk about uh, these, these few events that I do remember and remember well enough. Um, well, I'm honored that you, uh, that you picked this show to, uh, to let that stuff out. It's, uh, you heard it here first. You heard it here first, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> chariots of the gods right here <laughs> and you know what and that's funny that you say that because you know i said uh, my obsessions i was fully obsessed by five and the only reason i really know that i can pinpoint that is because in 1975 yeah no i'm sorry in 1970 chariots of the gods came out the documentary based on mm -hmm. eric van donneken's book and I begged and pleaded with my parents to take me to see that at five. Wow. And they never would take me. And finally, there was a time where my parents were gone. My grandma Alice was babysitting me. And I convinced her to take me. And we sat at the town and country theater. And I remember sitting there looking at her beside me to the left. And she was... <laughs> snoozing through the whole damn thing first of all to fall asleep in a theater with a five-year-old kid you know times were different oh yeah but i can remember sitting there and watching that documentary and the you know the crop circles and the nazca lines and you know the 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 black and white photographs of of these ufos and looking at her and being able at five to rationalize how can you be sleeping through this this is incredible Mm-hmm. It was so impactful. I mean, but that wasn't my first experience. I was already obsessed with it. Right. You know, I. That's the question, you know, and, and, it, and it's an interesting one. 
I mean, I, I was three when my mother used to freak out because I was, I would empty my toy box and sleep inside the toy box. She'd be like, why are you sleeping in there? I have to hide. The hell do you mean you're three? What are you hiding from? Yeah. I couldn't tell her. I didn't know. I have to hide. They're coming. You know, I that, don't know where I got that from. That's it. That, that makes me con- reconsider something. You know, I mean, so like on Saturdays, you know, well, you're from Chicago. So you remember, you know, Svenguli, the son of Svenguli. I'm not from here. Oh, okay. But I do know I have met Sven Gooley. Have you? He's a nice guy. Okay. So, <laughs> you know, when I was a kid on Saturday afternoons, or no, it was Sunday afternoons on WFLD TV. I think it was channel channel 32 at the time. Um, that was like when we first got cable. So it was channel 32 out of Chicago. <laughs> And on Sunday afternoons, they always had a um, like a matinee that was usually like a a 1950s sci-fi movie, you know, with the the giant ants, or it was Godzilla, or you know, it was yeah. the it was the aliens with the needles that came out of their fingers and it would inject you and make people drunk. And um, but on Friday nights, it was the son of Svenguli. And it was always like a creature feature, you know, it was either Frankenstein or Dracula or the Wolfman or, you know, some scary movie. And, you know, I grew up when the planet of the apes, I was just fascinated with the planet. Oh of the my apes God. Movies. I love those movies. Just couldn't oh get God. enough of them. And, you know, then they had a TV series that ran for oh, a yeah. while. I had the figurines, man. Yeah. I, I, yep. I did too. I did too. The little six inch <laughs> figures. I even yep. had the, the cardboard, um, like, uh, it, it almost looked like a mountain, but it had like rooms in it and stuff for the, yes, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I had that. Um, you know, but I always, I was always afraid to go to sleep. Mm. Always. I mean, as a, as a child, I was always afraid to go to sleep. And I always, my parents always told me it was because I always watched all that shit, you know, but, but no, I still, I'm still afraid to go to sleep and I, I still I, wake up. I can tell you when I would go to sleep. When I would have to go to bed, and I've talked about this before, I always had to have the hallway light on. Mm-hmm. My door to my bedroom could never be closed all the way. I had to have it at least like six inches where I could see the light coming in. And I was absolutely convinced that Bigfoot and aliens and monsters of any shape and sort were outside my bedroom window to get me. I wonder. <laughs> I wonder. wonder. I wonder now. <laughs> when I would babysit, I would close all the window shades and everything. And I was just like, I'm going to look out there and I'm going to see one of those damn alien heads. And that's going to be the end of me. That's going to be, I'm going to have a heart attack right here. I was so afraid, even on a bookshelf, if I saw one of those things, I was so afraid. It's like my heart stopped. Um, that just, that terrified me. Just the image of them terrified me. I was fascinated until I realized 
I'm not liking the parallels here. <laughs> so I just didn't want anything to do with it. Um, but, but fear of going to sleep, you could not get me to sleep. And even now, even now that, that, um, it's like, there's a, a, a trauma, like something horrible happened to me at night so much that I don't like being asleep and I will wake up three, four five times during the night and just be like, all's well, all's well. Um, it, it was, it was nuts as a kid. I was impossible to get into bed. Once I was in bed, I never stayed asleep. Um, I would hide. I would also, like I said, I would sit vigil in my house. Now, bad things happened at, at night in my house. It's just part of living with an alcoholic, but not at that point, not at that point. And, and there, there was nothing to be afraid of. I lived in this really cute little house, this nice neighborhood. Um, so yeah, I don't understand it. And, uh, my husband said, I said, because you, you don't like losing control. And I'm like, um, I'm sorry, but I don't know if you looked around. I'm not in control of anything, and I recognize that. <laughs> so my idea of losing control, I wish someone would come and take control of my life because then I could get some rest for a few days. You know, I just I don't have control issues. I really don't. Um it's just that 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 terror of and then interestingly, ironically, I get married. And I can't sleep with someone else in the room either. I have to be alone. I have to be completely isolated and yet I'm terrified. I, we have our own bedrooms. We're happily married 25 years. But I'm like, I, I can't sleep with you, with you here. I can't sleep with people in the room. Again, it's almost like that hiding thing. I need to, to be off over here. And that's the only way I could sleep. He's the bait now. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah, aliens you know, would I never figure out that you got two brand. bedrooms. <laughs> He's on the one to the left. There's no one down here. It's, it's, it's funny, but at 10 years, you know, we tell people it's because I, I honestly cannot sleep with someone else in the room. And that is absolutely true. I can't. I can't sleep in hotels. I can't, it's that exposure sensation. Um, the weirdest, mm. weirdest, weirdest shit. I feel crazy saying this out loud. Um, but all of those things, I, I, I promise you're absolutely, absolutely true. And what I can't remember, I don't try to remember because I know how memory works. Yeah. Um, so when I'm like, I, I don't know, I don't remember getting home. I don't remember pulling into the driveway. I don't remember coming up on that UFO with the beam. I just remember being at th in this position, the car stopped looking up at it and going, you know, fuck me. And then boom in bed. So it wasn't like I was driving and saw it and passed it. Right. I just have that one snapshot. Boom. You were there. Boom, and then home. boom, I'm here. So there are these gaps. Um, 
but and I, I don't want to fill them in because I I know um, how you know cryptonesia and false memories are two sides of the same thing. We can mistake imagination for memory and memory for imagination. Right. What do you think they are? Aliens. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not an either or person. I always think the truth is far more complex and involves so many different things. So I, I tend toward the, the interdimensional travel theory, but here's where I differ. I don't know if you've read a lot of Jacques Vallée. I adore Jacques Vallée. Um, and his uh, Dimensions books and Passport to Magoni are brilliant. But, um, you know, is there a physical existence in this, in this physical universe where they're actually getting to us? They would have to use some crazy tech that looks like magic to us because it's too far advanced. I think that there's a both and situation. I think that all ghosts and entities and all of these time slips, I think they're all occurring. And I think that there are multiple things going on. So let's say you've got, there's this particular type of light that appears at this particular type of day, the kind of UFO that, that Valid described in Russia, that would kind of like turn like a television set going yeah, off. Blink off. Yeah. So what is that? What are the sites of giant robots? And then you get to the Mothman prophecies and, and these time warnings. I don't think it's one phenomenon. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't either. And a long, long, long time ago, 30 plus years ago, um, I said that my goal in life was to create what I called the, the, the paranormal unified field theory, which was whatever all of these things are, they interact with this material universe in such a way that this material universe gives off very particular signatures. Um, so when something from someplace else breaks through, whether it's this universe using a different tech, whether it's miracles of the Blessed Virgin Mary, whether it's a time slip, a ghost, they all interfere with the electromagnetic spectrum. They all interfere with the movement of electrons. These are scientific tests that have been done in all of these varied areas. Um, they all interfere with the bending of light. They tend to interfere with states of consciousness, almost like we get a, a um, nitrogen narcosis where there's an altered state of consciousness that can be caused by pressures underwater or or uh, drugs or atmospheric conditions. Um, so whatever all of these things are, they all have the same residual signatures on this material universe. I mean, a UFO, UFOs have been said to give off a sulfur smell any kind of electrical explosion also gives off a sulfur smell mm. and a residue. So do demons. So do 
you know, crop circles, the the earth, the soil doesn't absorb water anymore. Right. Uh, there's a superheated. Well, why I, do I, they have those things in common? In one of our previous conversations, um, we we were talking about you know hearing knocks on a wall in, yes. a, in a haunted location, but yet everybody that has experiences with Bigfoot hear tree knocks. knocks. Yet yet nobody's ever seen a Bigfoot with a big log in its, in its mitts uh, taking a swing at another tree. So, you know, we started to talk about is what if that sound, that knocking sound is part of their entrance into our perception? What if, what and, if that's a remnant of them coming into our. And that's, that's a, a huge and excellent question because there was a study done by the Society for Psychical Research in England uh, several years ago where they did a, um, they put a poltergeist wrap into a spectrometer so that you could visualize the event. And now if I do this and you put that into a spectrometer, that noise, the noise will start up here and then dissipate as the sound waves move away. A poltergeist wrap starts down here, waves up, peaks, and then goes down. What that tells me is that the noise builds up to the slap. So, I mean, really what we're talking about is the, the particles inside of the material are moving in such a way that they get excited and then pop and then dissipate again. Yeah. So something entering and exiting the world, I mean, maybe those pops, maybe those wraps, I, lights accompany earthquakes where they also hear popping noises yeah. of gases popping the bloop. I mean, come on. Yeah. There's, and then the Taos hum, there are these strange noises accompanying all these different phenomenon. Why is that? I mean, the Tommy knockers, the miners used to hear the, the Tommy knockers in the caves. Why? Yeah. It, you know, I mean, even going, you know, into a, a haunted location, um, I mean, should we really think that all that is, is a invisible ghost that's knocking yeah. at a wall to get your attention? I mean, when you, when you think about it that way, that seems kind of silly, doesn't it? Um, yeah. it, it does seem to, to me, it makes more sense that that might be something that is a, a, a peripheral effect of them or whatever that is coming into our perception, our ability to perceive them. Exactly. And temperature changes, same thing. Huge temperature changes at all different types of paranormal and religious locations. Lights from Medjugorje to um, Fatima, and the sun standing still, all, I, I mean, I have the advantage of standing on both sides of that fence and, mm -hmm. and seeing it from both sides, but you know, religion and, and paranormal don't tend to communicate very well. So, so they don't, they don't see the connection. Um, 
but yeah, I, I think that what we think is evidence of one particular phenomenon may just be evidence of the breakthrough into this reality, may just be the effect of this particular material universe with its particular universal constants and laws reacting to something that is somehow bending them or isn't bound by them. Just like, um, it's the, the, the best example I could be like would be like those, those beads that we used to hang in the the seventies for doorways. (laughs) All right. Um, I'm not walking through the door when I walk past it, but the beads still shake. Um, And I don't have to part the door to affect the door. I just have to skim past it. And no matter what skims past that door, be it a cat, a human being, or an open window, you're getting the same effect. So my answer to you is I don't know. But whatever it is, it's not as easy an answer as most people think. Yeah. I think it's far more complex and varied and something we never dreamed of. One last question, and then we'll wind this up. Okay. Is God responsible for the creation of everything out there? Or are there things that exist beyond him? That's an easy question to answer, but it's like, is, is there a creator of all things, of all, of all universes, of all every possible dimension um i'm of the mind that yes there was a creator of all of that and do i think it's a single creator yes do i think that that creator is responsible for what happens within that creation partly um because i still believe that all entities that have consciousness have free will and in a fallen world and by fallen i don't mean sinful by fallen i mean subject to them to the laws of of this material universe that we can occupy one time at one place our brains matrix reality and and all that and so forth um yes there is one creator yes that one creator created everything is that creator responsible for everything that all that creation does? Eh. In the sense that I'm responsible for your diabetes because I baked the cake. <laughs> okay. so, does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. I baked the cake, but you had 12 slices. So, um, so but, but I, I put a comma in that because i don't think i know enough to to be able to to qualify that answer i i know i don't know enough about god or the universe um to say with any confidence that i'm right about that um 
it's it's what I believe. Maybe there's a God who created each universe. I don't know. Um, I'm I'm really a one universe at a time kind of gal. So, <laughs> so <laughs> this, one, <laughs> this one's big enough, you know. Yeah. This one's big enough. So. <laughs> Christina, Archbishop, how how am I supposed to refer to you? You I, just I feel, call me Christina. <laughs> You're my friend. <laughs> Indeed, we are friends, and I absolutely adore you. And I, I can't thank you enough for uh, always being just ready to jump on here and and do these with me. It's always just a brilliant conversation with you. I absolutely absolutely uh, I look forward to it every time, and it's just a pleasure. And oh. I know I know you're a favorite with the the listeners and and the Discord community, and uh, I, I think they're going to get their I think they're going to get their money's worth out of this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I'm going to get some emails on this one, <laughs> but that's okay. That's okay if 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 I can help make things seem a little less scary, I'm happy to do it. Well, I I'm going to give a <clears throat> I'll give just a first name shout, but I I think. There's one gentleman uh, in particular who has had contact with you, and uh, and and he has expressed to me how much he en- enjoys you, um, Jeff. I think he's gonna, I think his jaw's gonna hit the floor when he hears you start talking about missing time and seeing a UFO because we've had multiple discussions about the topic and uh, I don't think this is anything he's going to even come close to expecting out of you so <laughs> no and most people don't but um, I him to him and all the rest of the community and just felt more comfortable talking about it because of all of you this past year um, that discord server is just a joy to me so thank you you are you are more than welcome, and uh, those are very flattering words. I appreciate that. It it has been a a remarkable community that that has built up around this, and uh, hey, you know, it just a lot of good people, a lot of good yeah. people, and you know, it, it it sounds cliche to say, but you know, it's a safe space, and you know, it just I've I've been on other Discord servers, and I've seen the the um the the veracity that some people can go at people for you oh, know yeah. pictures that they post or comments that they make and just you know tear them up and you know we just don't have that in ours it's it's such a pleasant community and you know it, there seems like so many people have have made these you know uh, social connections between between one another and uh, it's really really been a very very gratifying thing it was a yeah. it was a nice uh it was a great idea that my son had and uh, i knew nothing about how to do it he was very instrumental in getting it going and uh it's it's turned into a really really a a big part of the show so yeah yeah i agree and so thank you all if you're listening uh for being so cool about it and, and just being so awesome and funny. Um, <laughs> there are some characters in there, aren't there? There really are. There really are. I enjoy all of them. Well, we enjoy you too. So, uh, again, I can't thank you enough. And 
I am absolutely over the moon that you are going to be a guest speaker at this year's Bigfoot and Brews and Spirits too. I'm excited to have no idea what I'm going to talk about, but I'm sure I will have some experience in the next year that will just be worth sharing. So, and and if I don't, right around September 1st, I'll make sure I go do something crazy. <laughs> but I have an interesting story. <laughs> Sounds good. All right, dear. Thank you. Until the next time, have a wonderful weekend. You too. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Eric. Thanks. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.